Welcome to the Protectors. We are here for season two. It's been a great season so far. I believe we're on 30-something guests this for the second season so far. Today, Spike's Canine Fund. I'm talking to James. It's going to be a great conversation because I love canines. I love everything they do for us, uh, whether here and abroad, for our protector community, and what they do for the protectors after they're done protecting. So let's bring in James. James, how's it going? Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. Everything is good. I appreciate you coming on, man. This is great. I, I, I need to start taking notes about how I find everybody and how I get guests all the time. A lot of it, I just, I'm always sending out emails. I see some cool stories on Instagram or something. I'm like, oh, that'd be a great guest. And you <laughs> have a very, very interesting story because canines essentially saved your life. And now you're, you're taking it and you're giving back to them. And I really want to get into that and, and how the whole spikes canine in the bay yeah so i joined the military the, the day i turned 17 years old and i spent some time in naval special warfare and the seal teams and part of that i was a dog handler and um you know i did some combat deployments with dogs in iraq and afghanistan and some other places and i uh i saw the dogs you know save lives on the regular mine and other people as well and a lot of us you know came, came home because the dogs did some tough work uh, on our part. In fact, the night I got wounded in Afghanistan in 2009, dog got shot in the head right in front of me and saved my life. Uh, he found the guys hiding and, uh, I started shooting the guy that shot him and his buddy shot me and then my buddy shot him and, uh, you know how it goes. So I came home and I was really messed up mentally. I got shot in the right leg. It blew my femur apart. And, um, I had a bunch of surgeries. I had 18 surgeries on my legs and, uh, but I spent more time in the hospital because of mental health stuff than I did because of the physical gunshot wound stuff. So I really struggled to figure out who I was. Uh, my whole identity was wrapped up in, you know, the, the line of work that I was in. And when I couldn't do that anymore, I really hadn't like thought about what I would do. And so I stumbled around trying to find a job here and there. Uh, didn't really work out so well for me. I just didn't really feel passionate about much. So one day I went to the police department in my town. There's a lot of backstory to this, but I'll keep it fairly short. If, if anybody cares about the backstory, I, I, I wrote a book with a very good friend of mine called Touching the Dragon, and uh, it's been out for a few years. Mostly talks about my struggles with mental health. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, there were some police that got involved with my situation, and <clears throat> after I got myself sorted out through the mental health process, I went back to that same department and said, hey, man, my name is Jimmy Hatch. I used to work with dogs in the military and I'd like to help. And they said, yeah, we know who you are and sure we could help you. And that, I don't think they really needed my help, but I do think they understood that I did have some experience and they, uh, they knew that by putting their arm around me and let me be a part of their team just a little bit, it would really help me. And it did. So while I was doing that <clears throat> one day, one of the handlers was talking about his dog needed a surgery and um, it was somewhat experimental and the city just didn't have the resources to cover the costs of it. So I couldn't, like, I was really blown away. Like, I didn't think that that was even an issue in the military. If a dog needed something, you know, the dog, you know, he got it. So I went to a buddy of mine and I uh, took a picture of me and my first dog, whose name was Spike. 
and we got together and he used this thing called Photoshop and represents a canine killed in combat. And I printed up a bunch of sweatshirts, put them on Facebook and said, Hey, I'm trying to raise money for a canine that needs surgery. And man, I sold a lot of sweatshirts and, uh, made enough money to pay for the dog's surgery, pay for the officer to drive down. He had to go to NC state to get it done and paid for his you know, travel. So no, nothing out of pocket for him, which shouldn't be, uh, that dog had done some pretty good things for the community, been involved in some violent altercations and helped, uh, some citizens out as well as some of the other officers. Surgery was successful. Dog came back, went back to work for a little bit. Um, and I was off to the races. I didn't know anything about running a nonprofit, but I had really good friends who had been with me through my troubles and, uh, they helped point me in the right direction, get things worked out with the IRS, understand how a 501c3 works. Uh, I had been doing some speeches for different, uh, groups. And one in particular was a, a very large nonprofit in the New York city area. And the, the person who ran that nonprofit gave me some pretty solid advice. And that's kind of where I've been operating off of since I started. We've helped just a little over 1,100 dogs to date in uh, 47 states. I think 47 states. So I think we have three states that we haven't hit yet. Uh, <clears throat> goal is to every single canine that goes to work on behalf of, the, of a community or our country, that's police, search and rescue. A lot, a lot of fire departments are getting... Um, accelerant detection dogs now search and rescue dogs are doing all kinds of crazy things all over the country <clears throat> um we help them and like i said there's twenty five thousand of them and my goal was to at the five-year point which at the end of this year it'll have been five years but my goal was to try to have helped 10 percent, and so we're a long ways from getting that done but we have really been effective and learning as we uh, continue our our mission is morphed a little bit changed a little bit here and there where we see needs and uh, we've had some really great support from some everyday people checks for five ten twenty bucks and then some pretty well-known people like anderson cooper playing on um, game shows for us he just won us five hundred thousand dollars so that's going to fortunately get us through this year and um, provide us with some opportunities to you know bolster up our team and get even better at spreading the word you know, we don't talk about politics on the show, but one thing that's been happening is, uh, no, just saying, it's like, you know, with everything going on right now, you can't get, you can't get out to do any real fundraising. And so much of what you do and so much of the other nonprofits I talk to do is like in-person events and so much things. And right now it's like, and then trying to get money from so many people now is it's tough. It's, it's unbelievable. And I'm hoping the ripple effect kind of takes over and someone says, Hey, you know what? Here's five bucks. Here's 10. Yeah. Oh, by the way. Yeah. I think uh, you mentioned the ripple effect, you know, that's the deal, right? So uh, we have uh, about 160,000 followers on Facebook. Most of them very sweet people who write things like thoughts and prayers or, you know, the standard um, platitudes, but the word gets out. If somebody in their community says, Hey, you know, the dog's hurt and needs help and the city can't afford it, then wow, we come to mind. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the thing about protecting these dogs is some people say, well, it's just a dog. Uh, no, it's not just a dog. The dog uh, protects the handler, obviously, um, and protects the community, uh, protects that police the handler, the, the people that are out with him uh, in the police force, um, the community that the dog lives in. Uh, and the ripples from that are huge. You know, we're all safer because those dogs are out there doing things that, you know, it would take 10 men to do what a dog does on any given night with regard to, you know, find, searching for people and 
uh, finding threats, you know, things like that. So we are, uh, <laughs> we're constantly trying to, it's like a double-edged sword. On one hand, we're trying to get um, donations, obviously. And on the other hand, we're trying to educate, you know, some of the, the folks in the law enforcement community, particularly those in poor areas, you know, like we've, we've vested dogs in, you know, up by you in uh, the uh, Montgomery County dogs. They've done, they did, I think they had a little over 1600 canine deployments last year. And we put, you know, vests on all their dogs, bulletproof wow. vests. <clears throat> and that's expensive. Uh, but those guys understand the technology. They understand the risks that the dogs are in on a regular basis because they have that many deployments. But these smaller departments in places, you know, rural America, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, you know, places that uh, Louisiana, places that don't, Oklahoma, we, we need to get in there. And a lot of those folks are on Facebook. And you know, you bring up a lot of great points about the importance of canines. And I like that they're getting more visibility, especially on a big screen, small screen and everywhere. Obviously SEAL team, one, almost one of their main stars is a canine. Yeah. And it's, it shows you how important they are. So now, that, like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I have buddies that are home and I'm here uh, because dogs saved our lives. And sometimes those dogs got killed. So my buddies and I, and the SEAL teams, we volunteered, you know, to do what we did the dogs really didn't uh you know they had a they were born with a certain set of traits that made them uh, valuable in really tough environments and so that's just where they ended up so when when a dog gets killed or hurt in that line of work as the handler um you know i, I took it personally you know my first dog spike who i mentioned he was killed in a, what's called a shoot through i was shooting a guy he attacked a guy that i sent him to bite and he was biting him and uh the guy started fighting him we took him to the ground was on top of him and i put some bullets into uh, his shoulder and one of the bullets went through into the dog and killed him you know he's my best friend the dog had saved my life it was horrible you know he didn't understand what he was being uh asked to do fully and so there's a certain amount of ownership you need to take in those situations uh and it's an impossible situation you know it's tough for the dogs it's tough for everybody involved but i agree with you i think that they are um value added we call them a force multiplier and uh they save lives um, but the guilt i feel for the loss of those dogs <clears throat> is what partially uh, drives what i do you know i want to take care of as many dogs as i can uh, as long as i can because of you know what i asked those dogs to take a part in and uh you know it keeps me rolling and i want i want those dogs memories to to live on and and this is the best way to do it. Plus, you know, I think, you know, at this time <laughs> we talked about not talking about politics, but you know, what a non-lethal force. Uh, they actually protect suspects. Uh, you know, if, at, there's cases of tasers killing people. Um, obviously, you can't call a bullet back once it comes out the you know the barrel of that gun. But a dog, you can send the dog, and then if the person starts to comply you can get the dog to come back and not bite the person or if the dog does bite the person i mean i've got scars on me from dog bites you know you, you'll there's been one documented case of a dog killing a suspect and it was years ago in tennessee and the guy was underneath a car in the dark and the dog got him by the neck and the guy bled out so but that's it uh dogs they save people uh both suspects and law enforcement um you know we need to take care of them and i feel really strongly about doing whatever we can do uh, across the board to make sure that they're 
protected while they are working and that they're cared for medically when they get hurt. What does Spikes provide for the canines? So we have three campaigns that that kind of cover what we provide. The first one is called the Canine Krieger Ballistic Vest Campaign. Canine Krieger was a dog here in Norfolk, Virginia, that was killed a few years ago uh, on a domestic violence call. Husband had done some pretty bad things to his wife. Um, then he toyed with the cops a little bit, uh, came outside waving a gun, moving towards the police force and uh, the call was made to send the dog. The dog hit the guy up high like this and the guy stuck a 380 into his chest and shot the dog uh, twice and killed him. And <clears throat> it was the same police force that I had asked to help with and they had the same guys that had taken me in. And so I got a call uh, the night that happened. I went to the vet clinic where the dog, you know, he was deceased uh, by the time I got there, but I looked at those x-rays I could see where the bullet holes were, and I knew that the ballistic vest would, would have saved his life. Uh, so the company that I use for our charity is the same company that made the equipment for my dogs overseas. And we didn't use ballistic vests overseas just because they're too heavy. Uh, we're fighting guys with AK-47s, not 380 pistols. Uh, but the company we use is called Canine Storm. It's a family operation. They have documented saves of dogs getting shot with handguns in those vests and going to work the next day. One of the highlight ones is out in, uh, I want to say, Aurora, Washington. Dog got shot twice with a 40 Smith & Wesson, point blank, you know, boom, boom, same scenario. And wow. the vest saved him and he went, he went back to work. But, you know, <clears throat> K-9 Krieger, his service number is on every vest that we provide. So his memory is going to continue. And then we have what's called the Combat Dog Diesel Medical Campaign. Diesel was a canine attached to my former unit. He got shot in the chest with an AK-47. He survived. Uh, he actually came home, rehabbed, went back and did a couple more deployments. He was a tough, tough dog. And when he retired, he was uh, adopted by one of the military families. Most of those dogs, when they retire, they're adopted by the police family or the or the military family that they deployed with or work with. And those people don't have, you know, the disposable income to drop a lot of money on medical bills. So they are liable for those bills because they've adopted the dog. And once they do so, you know, the city, the municipality or the government, they don't pay for anything. So we stepped in and provided a lot of uh, support financially for that. And um, he was he lived a pretty good life the last couple of years that he had to retire uh, after working his ass off and saving a lot of people, a lot of humans. So that's been a huge thing. And I didn't realize it when we started out. I didn't realize how important that would be. You know, a couple of years ago on Christmas, there was a dog down in Arkansas that got shot five times and saved everybody that he was with. And the city couldn't afford to save that dog, you know, so we stepped in and helped with that. Um, today, just earlier today, Emily, our director of operations, was on the phone with a vet clinic um, taking care of a, of a dog somewhere in the United States that, you know, had a surgery and people needed to step up and our supporters, we call them the spike pack, they did so. And those emergency medical things come up quick. It's a phone call. Hey, oh my God. And people are generally really upset. They, they're at a loss. Their dog who they love and has taken care for them. And in some cases saved their ass, you know, needs this medical care and, um, you know, they don't have, they don't have the funding for it. So we have to jump through hoops quick and get it done. And we've gotten pretty good at it. And then the third campaign is called the uh, canine Piper kit campaign. And canine Piper was an airport canine up in Michigan. Birds he off of the runway, you know, that kind of stuff. He chased birds around us. So we provided a little vest for him. Um, that's the campaign that's kind of a catch-all. So search and rescue dogs need GPS trackers. We provide that. Uh, some of the dogs, um, in, especially in not super well-funded uh, municipalities, 
have, you know, the dogs, more dogs die in hot cars than die in violent encounters with suspects. So there's technology out there that will, it's a, you know, it's a temperature uh, monitor in the car. Once it reaches a dangerous level, it can pop the, the windows a little bit uh, and then bleep the sirens so the officer knows something's going on. And then if it still continues to rise, it'll pop the doors and the dogs can get out and it'll save them. Uh, one of the side notes of that, and it was funny because we didn't really, I wasn't really familiar with it, but guy up in your neck of the woods um, called us and said, hey, yeah, I just want you to know that that door popper thing saved my, saved my life. And I, I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, I pulled some guys over and they uh, they piled out of the car and they started dragging me off into the woods and I popped, there's a key fob for that door popper. And he's, I popped that key fob. The dog came out and leveled the playing field and we got it squared away. And I was like, wow. So um, the heat alarms, those systems, we provide a lot of those. I think we just, uh, was it four or five this week? Four, we just, four this week we purchased. Uh, we get some pretty good deals because we're a nonprofit, but we've provided out of several, couple hundred of those, I think, yeah. And then, <clears throat> I mentioned the GPS trackers, booties, goggles, depending on if dogs work a lot with airborne assets, we provide those types of things. Anything the dog needs to be effective and safe in their job kind of falls into that canine Piper kid campaign. Yeah. And I'd like to bring up the fact that dogs aren't like humans. You can't just throw them on your insurance policy and right. budgeting, budgeting, budgeting and the government, federal government, state, local or anything. A lot of times doesn't have a line item for a canine other than buy the dog. Here's some food. Here's a shelter. Right. Good to go. They don't say, okay, you need this, this, and that. And that's where you guys come in. And that's absolutely imperative that we have nonprofits like you out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I wish people could see the faces on some of these officers when they get this stuff. And, you know, it's like you're giving the family member another kidney or something. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I could, it's a big deal. And not to speak about politics, but it's very difficult to be two things when you run a nonprofit. One, it's tough to be a socialist and run a nonprofit. And on that note, you know, we get calls regularly, emails or calls from people in Europe uh, and some parts, other parts of the world that ask if we provide stuff in those areas. And we just don't have the, you know, we don't have the manpower or the juice to do that until we get all the dogs in the United States taken care of. We can't do that. The other thing you can't be when you run a nonprofit is a pessimist <laughs> because people don't have a lot and they're still willing to share. And, uh, you know, even through this tough time that we're going through, people still, we still get old ladies sending us 10, 15, $20 checks. And people say, Hey man, I worked a little overtime. So here's 50 bucks, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's a, it's a pretty good job. Well, the other thing too, is like the, what we we're talking about before with the ripple effect is that let's say you don't have $5, you don't have $10, but you could like, you could share. If you're on social media, get the word out there because the more people that know about organizations yep. like Spikes, the more you can, you know, maybe garner some attention because right now the nonprofit, like we we're talking about before the nonprofit bandwidth is just, there's so many hurting right now and you have to be forefront in front of everybody else to say, Hey, this is me. This is who we yeah. are. And this is how you could help. And you can't really get political around canines because you're hitting all aspects of it. You're hitting the whole protector community about it. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely people who don't like the police and, and then, you know, dogs are just part of that, but they don't really, they're not the kind of people that donate much anyway. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you. Dogs are like, 
Switzerland, you know, they, they don't, they don't want any trouble. They just want to, you know, do their job and be loved. You know, as a nonprofit, as a, as a wounded veteran, I was, uh, I'm familiar with other nonprofits and how they do business. And one of the things that I think we've really been, it's from the get go, I really believe in the transparency of what we're doing. So you can go to our website and look at our financials. They're always up there and, and we get questions, uh, you know, people say, Hey, can we see your financials? We'll send them. Uh, you know, and what's funny is some of the other nonprofits, canine nonprofits do reach out to us from time to time and say, Hey man, we're out of money, but we got a dog that we need to help. And we've stepped up and helped those folks. And, uh, some of them brag about not having any employees, but <laughs> when it comes time, they need, you know, we're, we're there for them and that's okay. You know, you know, everybody can do their thing. We're all in this together, trying to help and do the same good stuff. But, uh, you know, I think having a good team approach to it is, um, super beneficial. They absolutely need a team. And we always talk about that. I, I talk about that with everybody. And that's a great thing that comes from being in the military is you're used to it. Uh, you're used to that team mentality. You're used to being mission driven. So it's perfect, brother. And I was looking at, like, you know, I looked at your webpage before we got here and it was 1,109 canines helped. That's yeah. a lot. Man. That is a lot. It is on one hand, you know, but then my, you know, my military background, we'd go out and do missions, come back and do debriefs. And the mission was successful, but we'd be hammering each other because this could be faster. This could be more efficient. These things could have been done better. You know, that's how I feel with these numbers of dogs. There's 25,000 working canines in the United States and we've helped 1,100, which, you know, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. We have done well, especially if you consider, you know, the background of the people who started it and, and how we've gotten to where we've we've gotten it's pretty miraculous it's just a good testament to you know community people helping each other out because i sure as hell didn't have the knowledge or the professional um acuity to run a 501c3 in a successful way but people stepped up and helped me and here we are one thing you were talking about is uh events and raising money raising awareness do you have any big events coming up we actually do have one event and, you know, we're going to see how it goes. But one of the things we do that's not covered in the particular programs that I mentioned earlier or the um, campaigns is we have in the past built a canine obstacle courses for communities that don't have the resources to do that. You know, the better, you know, the deal in the military and the police, the more you train, you know, the better your likelihood of success in a mission is. And so it's the same with the dogs. And, you know, obstacle courses build confidence and they help dogs, you know, understand that, that they can do some athletic things that they maybe don't want to do, crossing over big barrels, you know, whatever, jumping through windows. So we've done a little bit of that uh, in the middle of the country, Ohio, Indiana. Uh, we've done some here in Virginia as well. Um, <clears throat> We're starting to think about how much we want to do that, but we have a big one coming up in Roanoke on the 1st of August, which is a Saturday. We're going to, um, we've gotten together with a carpenters union based out of Charleston, West Virginia, and that's kind of their geo area uh, goes to Roanoke. They're going to build all of the obstacles, disassemble them, um, put them on trucks, drive them to Roanoke, and then we'll have the community, depending on what the status of the, you know, the COVID limitations are. We'll have folks there to um, help put them together. Um, we've had kids come in the past, first time they've ever touched a power drill. You know, there's somebody there from the Carpenters Union showing them how to use it. It's really cool. It's a family kind of thing. And then one of the really important things is that the community gets to meet a police officer under good circumstances, as opposed to the only time I meet a cop is when I get pulled over to get a ticket or, you know, if I'm involved in something that I shouldn't be involved in. So it's a good opportunity for the police officers to bring their family and meet the community and the 
the community to meet the police officers. And then cops always do a demonstration, show the, the attendees, you know, what the dogs are capable of and tell stories and shake hands. And we always have food of some sort. Uh, so it's just a day event. It'll start fairly early in the morning because it'll be a hot time of year, probably start at eight or nine o'clock. And it's on our Facebook page. <clears throat> That's the only real big event we have. We were we were having a, our annual fundraiser was initially planned for uh, May in New York City, uh, top of the World Trade Center. But because of COVID, you know, we can't do it. We we um, we postponed it to October, but I don't think that's going to happen either just because of the way things are going. So we're going to probably uh, postpone it again until next spring. But but public events, we don't have many. It's just that that building that obstacle course in uh, Roanoke in August on the 1st. Tons of things going on. A lot of, lot of dogs to help. Now, For James, sure. I really appreciate you coming on and we could find you on Facebook, Instagram, all the good places. We'll make sure we get links out to them. Awesome, everywhere. man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Anything else you want to add? I'm grateful for people like you who uh, provide a platform for, you know, organizations like mine to get out and, and share. And I'm, I'm grateful for your service and what you've done and you know, what you're continuing to do, putting these things together. So thanks, man.